I want to know everything there is to know about you. I am going to introduce me. You must have spotted her by now. She's always there. Don't I deserve love? Somebody has to like me best. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Don't Know Her podcast. As always, I am Scott. And I'm Michael. And we are delighted, as always, to be returning to celebrate another star of the screen who we just truly wish was shouted about a heck of a lot more. So that's what we are going to do again with you today. And Michael, who is it that we are going to scream and shout about today? I am really tempted to actually scream this name, but um, I won't, to save your ears. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Jo- Joanna Scanlon! <laughs> no, Joanna Scanlon, um, <laughs> who is someone I absolutely love. Um, and it's been really satisfying to be a fan of hers this year, as she won the BAFTA Award for Leading Actress. You know, nominated whoop, against whoop. Lady Gaga, against... Who? <laughs> Exactly. Who? <laughs> no, she's she is she's properly deserved that award. It deserves so many more awards for After Love and arguably some of her other work. She's someone who I've known for a long time because of her work on TV. And she's just so talented. So to watch her succeed um in a sea of like literally the most famous people you could think of in that Oscar season. It's really exciting and really deserved and really makes me hopeful for Joanna and people who may not be, you know, the biggest stars right now, but having the opportunities to make movies and be cast in lead roles and be celebrated for those roles and to tell interesting stories, which After Love most definitely is doing. And with that, I think that makes her a really exciting choice for this episode as we move into doing a a short mini-series focusing on three actors who are, to a sense, having their moment um, this year for various reasons, be it that, in the case of Joanna, you have her winning uh, the BAFTA and really making her name more known as she deserves. And then, otherwise, perhaps we look down the line, which we will do, at women who are going to maybe have their their big golden moments a little bit later in the year. I hope so. Or next year, depending what year you're listening to. Or next year. (laughs) I know. In the cinematic year, as I refer to, it is this year, right? Of course, this Oscar (laughs) season. Um, Yeah, that's totally right. And as I was saying before, I have been such a fan of Joanna that... It's really surprised me that people haven't been like throwing themselves at her to be in their films. And maybe they have and she just doesn't want to do that. She wants to do something else. Um, But it just strikes me as wild, particularly rewatching some of the films um, that we'll be talking about. Even her tiny part in Notes and a Scandal and then her bigger part in The Invisible Woman. Like why people would watch those films and not come out of it and think, wow, who is this person and why are they not in more? And like she, there's many examples of like people that have been like that for most of their careers and then have had a moment, like an Alison Janney, 
who is in so many films where other people have been celebrated, like Juno, where there's Oscar nominees. But it's like, Alison Janney is so good. She's so good in everything. Finally, she does have her moment. And I do believe that's what will happen with Joanna Scanlon at some point. Right? It has to. I I think off the back of After Love, it has to. It's I guess it's a case of we have with Joanna an exceptionally talented I I suppose supporting actor um who given the right role was justifiably celebrated for that because it was so exciting to see them uh, not only have their leading moment but also smash out the fucking park so with that yes I hope it is a launching point that she really does deserve because the work she's turning in there and that we have watched her do in some of the other films we're going to chat about is exceptional. So I hope she has her Alison Janney golden mantled moment. Yeah, another person that is much more, I guess, aligned quite easily with Joanna is Olivia Coleman, who is someone who most definitely I would have been, and most a lot of people sure. would have been like, whoa, why why are we not celebrating this person more? Like, Tyrannosaur and Olivia Coleman's performance should be what she won her film BAFTA for, or her first film BAFTA for. Um, and then Tyrannosaur did lead to more. So hopefully... Um, just like Olivia, Joanna's kind of small independent film will find its way to a Yorgos Lanthimos or a Sam Mendes or all these sorts of people who, for yeah. whatever reason, get bigger budgets and bigger platforms and give good to great parts to people like Olivia Coleman. So, yeah, um, I'm totally excited. That's a great comparison, and I could see that. I, I'm with you. And when did you first know, well, when did you first see even Joanna Scanlon? Do you remember? No, I'm not entirely sure with this one. Because when there was the buzz around After Love, as it was drifting through festivals and she was doing very, very well, I remember being excited and seeing her face and going, great, that's so good. Like, yay for Joanna Scanlon. This is the kind of narrative I love to see for actors. But then I'm not quite sure where I would initially know her from. My assumption, based on the fact I have seen it very, very many a time, would be Notes on a Scandal. And it is a small part. So therefore, I imagine that's why she was cemented in my head as the kind of performer we talk about very often on this podcast who is a bit player in things far too often, but always uh, a joy to watch. And the notes on a scandal. I mean, she has some great moments. Also, uh, it, thanks to Judy Dench being absolutely delicious, but um, memorable all the same. <clears throat> I've got a bit of an announcement. You're leaving St George's? No. Oh, you're pregnant. That's fantastic. Oh, congratulations. When are you due? June the 7th. A summer baby. How lovely. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me that you would um, remember her from Notes and a Scandal. She's so, uh, so good at the part she's doing as like a very normal woman compared to the very airy, fairy Kate Blanchett and the very um, v- villainous, um, delicious Judy Dench. 
Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just a riot. I, I, I think that film is like the most delicious cake. You sort of look at it from afar sometimes and go, is it? Is it as good as I remember? And then you have you're like, okay, I'll just have a morsel. I'll just I'll just kind of have a little bit. And then you have to eat the whole cake and relish it with every yeah. ounce of your being. It's it is just a delicious, delicious thing. It's a wonderful film. It's um it has everything you'd possibly want in a movie. Um <laughs> and more. Um, exactly, and I think like I would have seen that around the time of watching the thick of it, and also Stardust. Like I feel like there was like a combination of things she was doing, but it is her part as Terry in the thick of it on TV that really like stands out to me in my memory. I just think she is so funny. Yes, well, Stuart was very clear about this protocol. It's about the only thing he ever has been clear about. So the policy has been agreed. This is just an additional publicity push, Adam. I'm sorry if you think I'm being obstructive, but I cannot and I will not do as you ask. Well, you can't stop me, Terry, OK? I want you to know, you cannot win, Nurse Ratchet. So, yeah, I absolutely love her as Terry. And, yeah, really would flock to see anything she would make. So, like, After Love, um, that was part of the Dublin Film Festival. And I was like, yes, I, this is the film I have to see. Like, I have to see it because Joanna has this lead role in this film, and even if the film is mediocre, I've no doubt what she's doing is going to be incredible. And spoiler, it is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm, I'm so delighted that we're getting to talk about Joanna because she has definitely been on our list since the start. And speaking of, well, let's go to her start then, because she was born in October 1961. Um, Her parents were hoteliers, is that what, they owned a hotel? Is that hotelier? Is that a real word? I've written it down yeah, anyway. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yes. And they moved um, to Wales at the age of three um, because of this work. They got a new hotel. Sounds lovely. Um, and um, went to a convent school nearby. And it is a nun who inspired her into getting into theatre. And she remembers it being a panda in her first role, which sounds fantastic. And then doing Boom Bang A Bang, um, the Eurovision song by... Lulu no less um, and she did her rendition on stage which are two things I wish oh were God. recorded I would love to see Joanna as a panda yes. and then as a like Lulu inspired Eurovision entry <laughs> those things go hand in hand they go together like Wama Lama Lama and all that um, so she wants to do theatre she's, she's clearly very um, smart because she goes to Queen's College Cambridge and she is part of the Footlights troupe, which people might know well because it's um, a group of people that included you, Laurie, Stephen Fry and Emma Thompson. It's interesting to see what Joanna says about this, though. Um, she basically says she didn't fit in very well. So she says the first year I arrived, there was Stephen Fry and, and that was probably the ultimate year of the Footlights troupe. I felt my suggestions and ideas didn't sit right. I remember writing this sketch about a children's sex education book. And I remember everybody sort of going, that's a bit rude. So it was okay if you were being clever about politics, but to be too earthy or sort of what I did of as womanly didn't fit. So that's really interesting. Like it basically was... was, 
and in many ways, like it's rightly so. Like Stephen Fry and Emma Thompson, all those people are celebrated for the work there and what they were doing. But when you do think about it, um, particularly with you know Joanna's uh, reflections, it's like yeah, you know that would have been a bit of a, a clique that wouldn't have wanted anything that wasn't singing from the same hymn sheet or some other metaphor that might be better. It's just interest. It's interesting to hear somebody say that. Yeah, it's um, I'm I'm not surprised. I maybe I wish I was because I am a fan of these people, but I can understand as you say that they, they would sing from the same hymn sheet. They they have a similar, I guess, nature as performers, and maybe her earthiness. I quite like that way of looking at it. Was was just not the thing they wanted, and that's a shame. And maybe it's just one of those things, but uh, boo them. Yeah, it's their loss, really. They would have really... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they would have benefited. I mean, we all would benefit. But it just seemed like that really informed Joanna's next few steps. So she isn't getting all that success. And also in reflection to those actors and those writers and those performers, um, she really isn't being very successful in the way that she would have hoped and dreamed. Um, she is uh, volunteering in community theatre, directing plays, and is teaching at Leicester Polytechnic. She then talks about, really openly, because of that trajectory, um, she was basically, in her own words, said, stopped functioning and was diagnosed as having chronic fatigue. Um, and this is where the turning point happens and she returns to acting because her doctor basically asks her, what does she want to do with her life? What was her hopes and dreams? She says acting and the doctor, according to Joanna, says, if you don't go back to that, you'll be ill for the rest of your life. So Joanna decides to like stop the teaching, stop all that and to go full hog into acting, gets an agent, appears in TV shows such as Spaced, My Family, Peak Practice, and just keeps working. Um, she is also writing and making her own work, as we will know. Um, but her feature film debut comes in Girl with a Pearl Earring in 2003, which people might know best because it is uh, Scarlett Johansson in a year where she also has Lost in Translation and Colin Firth. And she is the muse for uh, Vermeer, played by Colin Firth as he paints the girl with the pearl earring. And Joanna Scanlon's part is of, um, I don't know if she's just, she's one of the maids, or the, maid, the head maid of the house, and she basically is running the ship. And depending on what the story requires, is being very helpful to Scarlett Johansson's character or being quite devious. You took your time. Lose your way, did you? Young mistress is out this morning. I'm to show you round. Um, but it's a fun part and quite um, prominent in terms of like we're set in this house and she's there quite um, frequently. She's she's fun basically. She's kind of also like an extra from Les Mis, <laughs> which I mean is a good and a bad way. Um, but that's not her fault. That's what the film was requiring of her. Um, but it is TV, so think of it as we've said. Two thousand and five, it starts, and it is a huge success. 
and that continues for many years till 2012. Um, and in between that, no son of scandal, 2006, Stardust in 2007 as one of Michelle Pfeiffer's hench people. Would you say hench people? Is that the right word? I are they? I thought they were all like sister witches. Mm, yeah, but they're like secondary to her. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's because it's Michelle Pfeiffer. You're seconding um, Joanna Scanlon now. I'm pretty sure they're sisters. Oh my god! Also, Sarah Alexander is the other. They are sisters, but in the same ways, like in Hocus Pocus, like Bette Midler is like. Oh my god! She is going to calling... take up the energy. Well, I don't think that's a bad You're thing to be secondary to Michelle Pfeiffer. Sarah Feist. Jessica Parker and Kathleen and Jimmy as hench people. Oh my god. Also, does hench mean like buff? Um, not in this context, but maybe that's where it comes from. You're okay, well, You're I'm sorry. They're not hench people sorry. in any way. Um, they are supporting the main witch. And having a great time, having great makeup, having great... In terms of being really... Like old and haggard, and then finding youth. Um, it's fun. Where are the Babylon candles? You used the last one, Lamia, 200 years ago. Do you not recall? Perhaps we can obtain another. Has your mind become as decrepit as your face in Pusa? And to be with Michelle Pfeiffer, I mean, I've, there's no proof of this. I'm not quoting um, anyone here, but I'm assuming that was a great fun thing to do (laughs) yeah i mean there's so much going on in that film i remember being incredibly excited about stardust when i saw the promo and i I don't know how old i was at the time maybe 14 15 when it came out i think um and just being like oh gosh this sounds like such a trip this is going to be such a good ride i don't think it quite ever delivered on its promise but Mm. the cast is so wildly expansive and and allowing people to do things that they otherwise wouldn't get to do, be that De Niro as a gay pirate. Wild. Um, or or Scanlan as a sister henchwitch to Michelle Pfeiffer. It's it's a treat for many reasons. And I did actually rewatch it and had fun rewatching it. I think it's a a nice escapist place to, to venture into Stardust. And I think its reputation has sort of faded quite a bit since it came out, but perhaps unfairly, I think it plays well, and I think fans of fantasy films who haven't seen Stardust would probably get a good amount out of it. It's a good ride. Yeah, and Joanna is in it, again, like it's like Girl the Pearl Earring, quite a lot, because Michelle Pfeiffer's in it quite a lot. I mean, she may not always be speaking or, you know, whatever, but she is following the story in a more meaningful way than like a one scene wonder. But again, it is TV then um, at this point of her career that is really launching her. So getting on happens, which is this BBC comedy. It's going to call it a drama comedy, but it's it's really a comedy about a hospital. And it's um, co-created with Joanna, Joe Brand and Vicky Pemberdine. and Joanna gets nominated for BAFTAs, TV BAFTAs, for her performance and for writing. So this is a, a big moment for her in all sorts of ways. And it is absolutely terrific. So if we think the thick of it is like an awkward situational comedy, apply that to a hospital bed. Hypochondriasis, could it be? Uh, this is just for the medical 
staff training, thank you, sister. What I'm saying is that nobody has actually ever found anything wrong with her with any of these tests. Are your point being? Um, maybe a spell in loony bin might be more appropriate. Right, thank you, sister. It is, it is, it is both funny and sad, and it's really great. So I really recommend if people um, haven't to check out Getting On. And I assume this is the reason of why, uh, the reason why she is cast in The Invisible Woman in 2013, which is Ray Fiennes' de directorial debut. And m for my money, Joanna Scanlon has the biggest part, or like one of the, the most important part of the whole film. Like that casting is so crucial to the, su the success of that movie. I would say so, yes. I think The Invisible Woman, by title, um, is is leaning towards being about another character, but it very, very neatly um, suggests the place that Joanna Scanlon's character has within this world. So The Invisible Woman tells the story of um, author Charles Dickens, um, I think around his mid-40s, uh, and we uh, come across him through a young actress played by... Felicity Jones! Felicity Jones. Oh my god, <laughs> I love I, this game. I Let's... was like, oh, why, why was that stumbling out of my mouth? I love Felicity Jones. And sorry, I should say that um, Charles Dickens is also played by uh, director Ray Fiennes in this case. And we... Uh, they encounter each other as she is um, a young actress. He invites her and her other performing sisters to be part of uh, a production that he is putting on and a friendship builds between these characters and that friendship develops into more as there becomes the suggestion that she will be a mistress in his life and even though the trajectory of their relationship looks set to be one of that that they will be together uh, as a couple um it never so happens, and she is always sort of this invisible mistress in his life, never being publicly um, recognised. Joanna Scanlon is Charles Dickens' wife in here, and exactly as you say, there is so much put on her shoulders as this character for us as an audience to navigate the complexity of what is going on here, which is a man in a relationship, which I guess is not where it ought to be, but a man getting to make those decisions um, about casting certain things aside or not because he is Charles Dickens. And she, as in my mind, kind of the invisible wife, but certainly not invisible within this film because the performance is really, really terrific. Mm. The the moments of her um, watching on, observing yeah. her husband with, with deep sadness in her eyes and the way she holds herself, you can tell that she is a person who has been sidelined and backgrounded for probably the majority of her married life. You can tell that there is time in this too. Why are you up so early? I must go to London. Now? There will be no train. Well, then I shall walk. It will take you all day. Well, then it will take me all day. And scenes that she shares with Felicity Jones 
warning her of that becoming a potential direction for her is really quite something to watch. Yeah. Joanna Scanlon is absolutely, as you described earlier, the MVP of this film. And mm. this is an outstanding performance um, and a very important performance within the film. Yeah, I mean, this film, and, and an actor you have not mentioned who is in it, who I also would nearly watch everything she's in, is Kristen Scott Thomas, who plays Felicity Jones' mother, Dame Kristen Scott Thomas, I should say. Um, and, yeah, Joanna is the MVP. It is Joanna's part in it that makes me really engaged because it's by far the most interesting because to watch, like, Felicity Jones, Omana over... Um, Charles Dickens and to see Charles Dickens about Ray Fiennes kind of abuse his power are all things we've seen before in other films but I don't think we've ever really seen this sort of part um, with with Joanna Scanlon or at least I wasn't expecting it in this sort of movie in this sort of time period because yeah as you say this is a wonderful moment where Joanna is, is speaking with Felicity Jones in those early years together I could not fail to be impressed. But you will find that you must share him with his public. They will be the constant. And in truth, you will never absolutely know which one he loves the most. You. Or them. I do not himself like she is not this stereotypical sort of um wife who is angry who wants you know to hold on to everything's dear because she's afraid she seems to be aware of what's happening around her accepting it wishing the best for people while understanding or it, maybe resigning to the fact that she doesn't think she'll ever have those things herself she knows her place in society um, which sadly has no real place for her outside of being, you know, the figurehead beside Charles Dickens. Um, I just just found it so beautiful. It's something she does again and again where she can be really incredibly cold and then within a split second is incredibly warm. And it's wonderful. I, I really like it from the moment we see her when they're watching the theatre performance and she kind of is very clearly uncomfortable but is also there to support her husband. And you kind of think, well, there is some enjoyment here with her. I don't know. I just think it's such a well-judged performance yeah. that really engaged me in the film much more than anything else that was happening. Yeah, it's a really, really heartbreaking performance if you think of those people that you might know in your own life who are in really shitty situations but accept it and allow it to happen and she plays that incredibly well so yeah i agree um it's worth it at the very least for her yeah and it really surprises me that she wasn't talked about more in terms of awards for that performance but perhaps the film as as a whole was kind of ignored so it's not that surprising yes but, I would say so. I think there is something about maybe a f films from this time of this kind of subject matter and tone. It, it does have a sort of dreary, unappealing uh, veneer to it. 
It is more than that, though. There, yeah. There is actually a lot more to it than that, but it definitely comes across as something you don't want to watch. For sure, and it does take a while for it to even move away from that sort of tone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Um, it is interesting, though, because she gets these amazing reviews for this film, and a, a lot of people are picking up how good she is in it, and comparing her to Felicity Jones, Ray Fiennes, and Kristen Scott Thomas, who are three of the most celebrated British actors of the last while. Um, it sure. doesn't lead to the big roles that we would have wanted. But she does go back to TV and works again with Vicky Pemberdine, co-creating and co-starring in a show called Puppy Love. And then she also becomes part of a British institution in the third Bridget Jones's diary film, Bridget Jones's Baby, in 2016, as the horny, very sexually liberated woman who is the hair and makeup um, stylist for uh, whoever's leading Bridget Jones's TV show. I honestly don't know the details of this, but she is... She is quite fun in a very, very, very small role. Gangbangs? Ooh, we like to do that. And they're a smashing little clubber on the back of Berwick Street. Chance would be a fine thing. Oh, yeah, it's a small role, but she gets to uh, to have some of the most playful moments of a film, which is full of kind of playful, silly set pieces. Um, yes, it's... It's a good one. Bridget Jones's Baby is a good film. I think Emma Thompson in particular yeah. did a good job Oops. in um, <laughs> managing to reawaken uh, that series a good amount of time later. It could have easily failed, and I really don't think it did. Um, did Emma write yeah. it? Or are you talking about her performance yeah, as Emma a doctor? Yeah, Emma Thompson wrote it. Okay, I didn't know that, yeah. Because I, I thought you were just claiming she was so good in the film just, in her tiny part as a doctor that she saved it. It's like, are you trying to counteract the bitching we did earlier about her? <laughs> no, I I really enjoy Bridget. Oh, so do I. I just didn't realise she co-wrote it. always got time for Renee. Renee, absolutely, I, yeah. absolutely love. I love, I love uh, Bridget and I'm all for Bridget Jones 4. All for it. Um, sure. So we do then get the lead part, lead role for her in Pincushion, which is a 2016 film directed by Deborah Haywood, where Joanna Scanlon is the mother of Lily Newmark, and they have moved to a new seaside town. Is it by the sea? Why have I made that up? I feel like that's not true. Um, I don't think it is, no, but it maybe has those dreary <laughs> seaside times. It does, it does have those kind of dreary, like, um, uh, yeah, those vibes definitely of a dreary seaside British town. Um, yeah, th- that's the s- sort of tone of the film. It is this life is hard um, film, but it's also a fantasy a lot of the time. And Joanna Scanlon... And her daughter, we don't know why they've moved, although we can kind of, um, we can we can get enough, we get enough details to know why, really, or get an idea of why they have. But they don't settle in very well. The reason seems to be largely because Joanna Scanlon's character has a hunchback. Um, like, we, that's where the film turns within, like, the first ten minutes, is they're walking and they're all happy yeah. and they're in their costumes. I can't wait to try my new school uniform on. I'll put some cakes up for you to take. You're going to be the most popular girl in the school when the children taste my baking. And then 
this young boy throws something at Joanna's hunchback and then suddenly that's that's it like everything turns and it just escalates and escalates and escalates to some to, 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 to essentially what I would describe as kind of torture porn but without any violence like it's a, it's a very yeah. <laughs> like um it's just an emotional torture film and I, I found it really upsetting to watch and I found it really hard to believe that a whole group of people would treat anybody that badly, particularly somebody like Joanna Scanlon. It wasn't meant to be like this. We were meant to be a success. But I'm that useless that I can't even get my stepladders back from a neighbour. I'll give you your stepladders back. If you do us all a favour and throw yourself off them. <laughs> They like, they like treat her as if she's like a real piece of vermin at times. Like, I just don't, I don't understand. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Um, and it, particularly in a fantasy film, which doesn't make sense. And the, I mean, I, the, the, the details of it are not worth getting into, mainly because I don't want to spoil the film for anyone that wants to watch it. But there are just moments of it where it's just like, what is happening? Like, why are we, why would, why are we watching it? And I, I like, like Lawrence von Trier films. I'm not anti, tor like sort of torture in a certain way, but the reason behind it needs to make sense to me. And this does, this made no sense to me why we, we were sat and watched these characters suffer so much. Yeah, it, it feels very much designed to to make a bad situation worse and worse and worse for people who really don't deserve it. So it can't just be someone who's very run-of-the-mill, normal, inoffensive person, which is kind of what they are when the when the film opens, but then it is adding the layers of, oh yeah, she's a hunchback, and you know, she's a little um, in her own world, perhaps, and all of these things, and maybe there's value in showing the 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 cruelness of people but in this in this case it feels so heavy-handedly mean uh, to these characters that you just start to go oh good lord and then i too won't spoil it but when it ventures towards the end and you're like jesus christ it is just like Oh, you're feeling a little down about this? Well, feel worse, feel worse, feel... And it just, like, keeps going down that route. And it is... Um, it's hard to watch. But it does allow something quite special for Joanna. It allows a new side that we haven't seen before. Um, more of that softness. Um, a little kind of sappy. The Her and her daughter wearing kind of matching cat hats they call themselves dafty one and dafty two as if they're living in this dr seuss type um fairy world it's all very the, the world they live in is um childish but i think they've manufactured it that way to keep the the cruelness of the real world out because they've obviously faced it before so there's there's that stuff in the setup i was like i can understand where this is coming from mm. i know why you're doing this i'm with you and then the meanness just becomes too much yeah. that it's only aided by 
a a dazzling cameo that I would have never expected. <laughs> Do you mean Les De- uh, Les Battersby from Carnation Street? Is that who you mean? <laughs> exactly. Of course, I mean the Les Battersby as a I don't even know like a motivational speaker. Very strange scenes. No, of course I don't. I mean Nadine Coyle. She has a line which is um interesting. <laughs> Sadly, it doesn't include Floyer. Right then, darling. Have fun at your party. Uh, yeah, you, you've summed it up really well. I, I really like those bits too. I love the idea of these characters trying to create a safe space for themselves and then, you know, the world is conflicting with them. I just think the reasoning behind how the world is conflicting with them is not strong enough for the film to go on the journey it does go on. Um, yeah, there's plenty of movies which, you know, even Tranosaur where we see, like, Olivia Coleman's character really trying mm-hmm. to cling on to what, the you know, what keeps her through the day, and we see that broken down. But it doesn't work here, no. And I, I will say, um, Lily Newmark is also terrific and given a lot to do. So the performances yes. are good for the material that's there. Um, and, yeah, I think, I, I mean, it's not a film that I think will be remembered by many people, and... That's fine. That's fine. I would not be recommending this to anybody. (laughs) No, I think it's too hard of a time. But I think there is... What is in there is promise from Deborah Haywood in her debut feature. And I kind of liked reading, I guess, in the sadness of this all, she too perhaps had a difficult time at school. I reckon Ellen would imagine this are so. maybe reflective of her past. Mm. <laughs> and and what she actually did was take this film back to the school she went to, where she was bullied and had a terrible time. Um, and instead of then walking past the school and feeling very sad to see it, she now has happy memories of making okay. this film and having a good experience making this film. But even that is surprising, given how fucking miserable this film is. I don't know how you can now have happy memories manifest. I thought you were going to start telling me something awful happened in real life. And, I, like, again, when she went back to the school. And I was like, well, that's kind of the tone of the movie. It's like, do you know what? Here's a slither of happiness. Oh, wait a second. Is that happiness also, like, a poisonous, like, bullet that's going to go through your brain and then go back, or circle around, and then attack you again? That's the sort of movie it is. Um... You know, but and I don't mind that sometimes, but not this time. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, agreed. And um, a film then on the flip side from Pin Cushion, which is her, you know, Joanna's next film, big film, is After Love. So as we've already described, she's won the BAFTA for it for leading actress. She is incredible in this film. I mean, this film is centered around her in a way not even like pincushion was doing we don't get that even on tv with joanna um yet this is the first time we've had a vehicle centering her so prominently and it's such a wonderful thing to watch after watching you know her career as it went um and yeah i'd seen this before and when it was in the dublin film festival where she won best actress i should say um, always ahead of the curve or not in <laughs> Dublin sure well her family are like Irish heritage so I should have said this earlier because it's very important to to flag but I mean most wow. people are from Ireland I guess in when we look at you know this sort of um, demographic but yeah Joanna Scanlon has Irish heritage of course um, anyway that's irrelevant to this um, she is 
So, but you hadn't seen this film before? No, I hadn't seen this film before. It was very much one that was on my radar during festival season. It played at London Film Festival, but it was during the the COVID year. So um, I think it's one that just escaped me really because I wasn't going to the cinema as much or I was watching other things. I'm not quite sure because to me it now seems barmy that I let this film um, pass me by at the time. I thought you were saying the film seemed barmy and I was like, what? <laughs> what, what film the film seemed barmy so I let it pass me by. <laughs> which it is. Which, which it is. It's no way. Like it's a very sort of still... Um, it's, yeah, still sort of film that's following a character as they go through quite a monumental shift in their life. So Joanna Scanlon plays a woman who is married to this Pakistani man. She's converted to Islam from a very young age, we discover. And they're making, or she's making tea while he takes a seat um, in the opening. And then he dies. Tragic, like you see this on her face as we cut directly to her afterwards with the family around her. She's like still, the camera's like pulling focus towards her. And you just see all this kind of, you know, well of sorrow and sadness and confusion and shock. And I just think that's like, so from the off, it's like, whoa, this is incredible. This is incredible that this film has been structured to allow this actor to give so much. How we watch this character move and interact in their world is how we learn about them and the story. So the film really is quite almost silent in terms of following Joanna until she finds this phone and it opens up a bit in terms uh, it opens up because there's these messages on this secret phone that her husband has hid from this unknown woman who lives in France and suddenly things start to quietly unravel you know this none of this is like over the top or melodramatic or anything like this this is just like an average story like if this is happening to you. This this is how I feel like I would react to this sort of situation. Well, with more drama. Who am I lying? I'd be screaming. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd be screaming the house down. But um, she, you know, go, returns up at the house to find out about this woman. In quite this, like, there's this wonderful scene beforehand as well where she's looking at a mirror and we've not really heard this woman speak. And she's like, My name's Mary. Hello, I'm Ahmed's wife. Hello. Like she's already questioning, like, what is my purpose? Like, what, what am I? Like, who am I? And then when she meets this woman, she's taken aback and then is suddenly cleaning her house because she's been mistaken as a cleaner. And she finds out that her husband had a son with this woman. So the film follows this really interesting journey of multiple characters, their relationship with this man who is now deceased and how his lack of presence has impacted them. But really the main focus is like, what, are, who are these women? Like who, what is a family? Like what happens next? And how will these characters deal with the next steps? And um, I mean, that is also my interpretation. I think it's the sort of movie you could watch and have a totally different 
version of what you would get out of it. But to me, it was really striking film about what is family and what is like being connected and what is support and what is, you know, it opens up like this box, which I think is really glorious um, because it's definitely not your kind of typical family dynamic um, in terms of, you know, a stepmother and a son and a mistress and all these sorts of things. These are not the sort of characters you expect when you hear those words. I just think it's really beautifully realised. Um, I just think it's a really interesting story, beautifully performed by all of the actors, um, yeah. including Talid Chris as the son and Natalie Richard as the Genevieve, who is the other woman that's living in France. I just think it's really like this delicate, semi-joyous, semi-heartbreaking film. I really like it. And I think Joanna gives one of the best performances of the last few years. Again, doing this very sort of stoic, cold performance. But then, God, when she lightens up, like when she's talking to the son about Pakistani food and living with her husband, that is like such a gloriously like happy thing take a little piece right mm-hmm like that just a little bit then and then you use your thumb these two fingers that's it and you just scoop it there see now look you can hold it <laughs> <laughs> and i just i don't know how to describe how tricky i think the balancing act is that she achieves in this film. I just think she's terrific. Yeah, you're absolutely right. What I would add to it beyond what you're saying that for you it's sort of about family. For me, it's sort of about pride and pride in, in family or relationships or whatever it is. And in her encountering this incredibly troubling and difficult information, but still having that pride that she was his wife that's very important to her it's very important to her identity and it has informed a lot of her life and therefore when she's talking about stuff like the food the pride and the warmth that comes through about that when she's talking about what she sacrificed and, and gave to her husband by converting and all of these things she thinks that's something that only she could do so it mm. creates this almost combative air between the two women but not done with her intending to create conflict it's coming from that place of pride as well that that she does feel special about herself there's a really really beautiful scene of her in her underwear mm. looking at herself in the mirror and and it doesn't really suggest what it's about or why she's doing it but to me it's the same sort of thing it's a woman who when met with the the other woman in her husband's life, who is perhaps a more conventionally attractive woman, you can sense that Joanna feels sexy and is proud of herself. And again, I think that's linked to her identity and who she's mm. in. And this weaves through the whole film, and, and it is because of this incredibly thoughtful performance from Joanna Scanlon that it works so well. I expected this film to be good because everything suggested that it would be, but I wasn't expecting it to be quite as compelling as it was. It plays like a thriller without any thriller elements. It 
has great pace to it. It, it. it sweeps you in and you go with it. And that is because of great writing and great performances by a cast and a premise which I haven't really seen explored and especially not from that angle, but it is this performance at the heart of it that really sets this thing alight. Mm. It's, it is a work of magic yeah. by Joanna Scanlon. Yeah, and, and it is so rare for a non-Oscar-nominated performance to win an acting BAFTA. So, and we'll get back to that in a bit um, because it might have something to do with the quiz. But it is interesting. Like, there's a reason why people that watched this film could not resist the urge to reward Joanna. Yeah, completely. Because of moments that will sear themselves into your head because she is just delivering at such a high level. And no doubt we will also see great work from the director, um, and hopefully together. I like that, so. I I was I was hoping that there I could find some sort of rumor or something. Not that I guess the the internet is focusing on these two people, but I was like that <laughs> surely makes sense that some like they would be trying to reunite these people or at least get them both in different exciting projects because of this piece of work. Because I think it's a real combination of his ability to understand her strengths and creating this character and creating this vessel to showcase that. For sure. <laughs> sure, you're like, no, it's all Joanna. There was no director, there was no cameras, there was nothing else. <laughs> Joanna turned up and it just happened. Um, which is fair enough, yeah. I believe that too. Um, and excitingly, like, Joanna hasn't... Like many projects or film projects anyway um, on the go it seems at the moment although who knows perhaps she does and um, it's just not been revealed yet but she does have a film called Wicked Little Letters which will star Olivia Coleman, Jesse Buckley, Gemma Jones oh. and Eileen Atkins oh. in a film by Thea Sharrock who is a very celebrated theatre director um, and it's about a resident of a town receiving obscene letters from an unknown source and they group together to try and identify that source. Oh my, my. So what more could you want? I mean, a film with Jesse Buckley and Joanna Scanlon and Olivia Coleman is my dream. If you threw in like Fiona Shaw and Imelda Staunton, I think I might. And Ruth Negger, I, I'm, I could die happy. <laughs> Well, absolutely. So I, I think I'm just delighted to hear any of those people working together. That's wonderful. Or working at all. <laughs> or working at all. Although Jesse Buckley and Liver Coleman cannot be stopped in a good way. So that's great. No. So yeah, that's kind of, that is, that is Joanna in a nutshell. Um, and I've been so, like, it's so interesting to think about her and to think about you know, what is possible, what could happen, what should happen. There's so many people that kind of reflect her, but as going back to what she was saying about her time in Cambridge, there is this kind of earthy quality to her, which I think is missing in, like, British entertainment full stop, a British film. Like, I think we're used to, and when we say earthy, I think people think of think people like Emma Thompson, you know, which is absolutely fine, but Emma Thompson, to me, is a bit more genteel, or intellectual and I don't think oh, we yeah. have many yeah, yeah. and when we like people we've talked about before and um, like Kathy Burke or 
you know, there's plenty of people that even Fiona Shaw, although Irish, not British, but mm-hmm. you, they, they're not they're not of the intellectual sort of ilk that we associate with um, British film that um, commonly, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Even Mary Margulies, for instance, I don't think we see enough of. And I think that's probably an industry being a bit snobbish. Or a lot snobbish, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. But then she did go to Cambridge, so... Exactly. So she's that. still in a certain bubble. Anything else negative you want to say about Joanna before we move on? Um, no, I guess I'll leave it there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, well, let's um, do a, a quiz, which is semi-related to Joanna. Tangentially. Okay. Oh my god! Quiz! Oh my god, my favourite time! Quiz time, quiz time! And Joanna-ish. Joanna-ish quiz. Okay, then I might do fine-ish. I don't know. Well, it's also, it's not really to do with Joanna, but it is to do with awards. So, like I was saying earlier, over the last few years, BAFTA have been very keen to follow an Oscar trajectory, which has resulted in most winners being either Oscar nominees or eventual Oscar winners. And yes. um, this is this will be boring maybe to some people, but hopefully people find it interesting. The, there was a shift in, um, in, the two, in 2000 when BAFTA put their award ceremony before the Oscar ceremony, so essentially becoming a predictor for the Oscars. Beforehand, it used to happen afterwards, and in some ways it was like a consolation prize. So we have like Kate Winslet winning for Best Supporting Actress for Sense Sensibility, for instance. Um, so when it shifted, it really didn't take long for it to um, start just predicting winners. So winners that don't even really make sense for like a British Academy to be to be um, making. They just follow because, you know, Jennifer Connelly's winning everything. So give her that for a beautiful mind. Even though there are clearly great British people. <laughs> what? Are you throwing your eyes up because of Jennifer Connelly or me? <laughs> <laughs> I would never say. The The audience can't know. They'll never know. So Jennifer Connelly. Jokes. Um, so anyway, this quiz is to figure out, can you identify the very few winners of the BAFTA Acting Awards that were not nominated for the Oscar? So we only have six winners of acting categories wow. in the last 22 years. Which is wild. That 22 have, years. Yeah, that have not, sorry, those six have not been nominated for an Oscar. So Joanna was not nominated for an Oscar, but won the BAFTA. And there's only five other people that have had the same trajectory. Which is a bit mad for an uh, organisation that really, I'm not saying they should celebrate only British talent, but surely they should be doing their own thinking. Like they nominate anything that the Oscars seem to be interested in, just regardless of their, you know, their own personal preferences but anyway what what can you do that's the way of the world um so i'm going to break it down into the different categories so we're going to start with best actress and okay and these just to confirm so the last 22 years so we're looking yeah. at the year 2000 onwards here exactly yes i am going to give you the year because i think that would be incredibly unfair um so best actress uh, there's been two, so one obviously Joanna Scanlon. The other one was in two thousand and four ceremony, so two thousand and three film, and the film I will say was Oscar nominated 
for many things, including Best Picture, Director, Actor, and it won for a Screenplay Award. And a co-star of Joanna Scanlon in one of her films that we talked about. Okay. Right. Let's think here. So I'm thinking British. I'm thinking... Oh, do you want me to say... British do you want film. me to give you a hint? It's that, this actually is the one person that is not British that won a BAFTA not nominate for an Oscar. Oh, and, the, and a co-star being... Oh, sorry, I'm with you now. The winner has been a co-star. Yes, exactly, sorry. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, I don't, you, you didn't suggest anything otherwise. I don't know why I went down that route. Okay, so a woman who's starred with Joanna, I'm thinking Rennie. So I'm thinking this could perhaps be Nicole Kidman winning for Cold Mountain? Oh my God, that would have been incredible. Oh. But no, no, that is that. I mean, oh, incredible in terms of incredibly around. wild. <laughs> but Nicole Kidman was such a thing at the time. Perhaps. No, it's not. Not Nicole. Also, I, 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 that logic was also whack because I thought of Renee and then I said Nicole Kidman. So what the <laughs> fuck was the point in that? Um, hold on. Well, uh, do you know what? I, be... I think okay. anybody, and I'm like Nicole Kidman. It just always happens to me too. Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, I wish if she won for Cherie or something, but no, that's that wasn't the thing. Now this is a proper big movie, and it is surprising that this person was not Oscar nominated for this role. But I bet it was because there's a reason be- behind them not being nominated. They had two films leading performances kind of competing against each other. Oh, and this person has since been Oscar nominated twice in one year. Julianne Moore. No. no. No, that would be fun. Okay, no, you're going to have to give me something, but I want it to be something that's not going to help too much. So I don't know which of those things it's going to be. Yeah, this is a hard one to not spoil because of... I'll, I'll say the film that Joanna Scanlon co-starred with this person, but that might itself be... Yeah, 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 there we go, do that. Girl with the Pearl Earring. Oh, wow. How interesting. So I'm therefore assuming it's Scarlett Johansson in Lost in Translation. It is, and which is a really interesting Whoa. win, yeah. That is a good win. And in one that I forget wasn't an Oscar-nominated performance anyway. Yeah, wild. But I think that what happened there is Girl, Girl the Pearl Earring and Lost in Translation were both kind of cancelling each other out. I mean, that's the only... Thing because yeah. otherwise it is mad not to particularly when the Oscars love like a young woman who's becoming a star like it's, it's a perfect sort of trajectory for a Scotty Johansson um, love that I did not remember her winning that so that's um, a, uh, a fun thing for me to have learnt oh. already well I think this one will be much easier so it's um, the best actor award that was given in 2001 uh-huh. for films in 2000 this is not a co-star of Joanna Scanlon, as far as I know, but I would absolutely love to see these two um, act together. Okay, so 2,000 films, Best Actor. So the Oscar, do you know who, the, who won the Best Actor Oscar that year? In 2000, it would have been, I think, Russell Crowe? Correct, yeah. So Russell Crowe lost to this person. Gladiator. 
Okay, this is going to be a British actor. Yep. Um, was this a very celebrated film outside of this not having an Oscar nomination in this? No, not... Was this otherwise Oscar yeah, nominated? Not in... It was Oscar nominated, um, but it was not a Lost in Translation. This was... I guess its best chance would have been Best Supporting Actress, which I believe it also won the BAFTA for, which also has a British person in that role. Um, but in terms of audiences and in terms of love for this film, I imagine it was huge at the time and still is to many people. Oh, hold on. 2000. I think this is Jamie Bell yeah. in Billy Elliot. Correct. Yes. Oh, great. That is such a good one. Yes, of course. Um, yes, I'm glad that one came to my mind quicker. <laughs> so Best Supporting Actress... This is this to me is fascinating. So it's, this is the 2004 released film in the 2005 award ceremony. And this film won a really big Oscar, but it, this performance was not Oscar nominated. Okay, so 2004 yep. film. What category did you say? Best Supporting Actress. Okay, so Best Supporting Actress from 2004. It won a big Oscar. Must have been heavy, too. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> that's fun. Um, well, I guess when I say, like, won a big Oscar, you could be one of those people that try and steal one of the, like, you know, the marionette things that, like, that are... Oh, my God, yeah, yeah. You could, you could have filmed the set dressing, yeah. Um, okay, 2004. So if we're looking at the Oscars in 2004, we are then looking at... Whoa, crash? Yeah, we're looking at Crash. Oh, are we? Fucking hell, here's a Crash then. Okay. Uh, oh, so it is literally Crash is the film. Fuck. Okay, Best Supporting Actress winning a BAFTA... Who the frig would have won a BAFTA? Oh, maybe uh, Tandaway Newton? Correct, yeah. And I remember her oh, yeah, great. winning. Yeah, I mean, again, not a film we've talked about before. My God, who was in that film that we talked? Why do we have to talk about that film? Brendan Fraser. <laughs> oh, of course. And um, she's one of the better parts of it in terms of her performance, she, not her character, but her yeah, her perf- Yes, her performance is very strong, so... I can I can get behind that. And yeah, it's exciting for Thandiway. Great. And to round this off, there are two winners of Best Supporting Actor who were not nominated for Oscars. And I'm gonna I'm gonna start with um the later one because I wanna save the other one till for the very end. And um, but the later one was for a film released in two thousand and three and won in two thousand and four award ceremony. Best supporting actor we're talking 2000- about. 2003 film Best Supporting Actor. I'm just going to charge in and guess if we're thinking of accomplished Brits in that year where things were winning big. I'm going to say Ian McKellen for Lord of the Rings. That's so funny. I hadn't really clocked um, that that was Lord of the Rings here. No, that this makes this win even wilder. This is a wild win. This is a sort of win of... I, I Yeah, I don't even... I can't think of another example of like people just loved this so much that it happened but a specifically british thing um 
what so the film or just this performance and story the film and the performance because the performance is even though it's supporting in a big ensemble it is probably the one people come out of the film thinking of like this would never be near the oscars anywhere near the oscars Okay, so the film would never be anywhere near the Oscars. No, and I—I okay. I mean, that's that's because the Oscars wouldn't deal with this sort of movie, mm-hmm. perhaps. But also, I think if we talk about quality, I don't—I just don't think maybe one other performance could be, but no, I wouldn't say so. Okay, so a big British ensemble film from two thousand three, which people had a lot of love and time for. Yeah. Okay. Was it a contemporary piece or a period piece? Uh, it was a contemporary piece, which now feels very of its time. <laughs> interesting. And also, like, starred anyone nearly you, you could, well, anyone white you could think of. Um, no, I'm joking. There, there probably is some diversity in it. Um, actually, I can think of a really great actor that's in it, but it's underused. We're not talking. We're not talking Harry Potter here, just to check. No, but that would I would love if Alan no. Rickman or someone won. Yeah, no, that's not. No, no, this is. Um, oh my I think days! Oscar... Go on. No, I I feel like it, this must be Love Actually, and if I'm thinking of someone from Love Actually winning, and I don't know the answer, but I'm guessing Rowan Atkinson, which feels <laughs> mental if it is. No, Bill Nye. Okay, good, because that would be. Oh, of course it would be Bill Nye. Oh my God, that is so, and that is great. That is wonderful, isn't it? What a fun performance, and this is what I would love BAFTA to do more of. Um, like screw the Oscars. It makes sense that Bill Nye is not going to be Oscar nominated for Love Actually, but it does make sense he wins a BAFTA. So let it happen. Let it snow. Isn't that his song? Let it. No, what is it? I can't even remember what he covers. <laughs> Love is all around. Oh, Christmas is all around. Christmas is all around us. <laughs> I love it. Um, and it is a good performance, yeah. Um, sorry, and then... Oh, it is fun. That That is great. Last but not least at all is maybe one of my most excitable moments watching the BAFTAs is the Best Supporting Actor winner from the 2002 award ceremony. So for a 2001 film. And this was an Oscar player, this film. But this performance, for probably because of various reasons, was not Oscar nominated. Okay, 2001 year, it was an Oscar player. So this is a beautiful mind year then. It must be... Um, Is it going to be something like... Okay, 2001, I'm going to just throw a guess and say... Like Jim Broadbent in Moulin Rouge. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Oh, whoa! Oh my god, is it really? Jim Broadbent's name came into my head for other films, and then I just realised that Moulin Rouge was 2001. Oh my god, that's fabulous. Isn't that wonderful? So, like, he wins the Oscar for Iris, but the BAFTAs are like, now nah, we're going to give him it for the better yeah. performance, better film. Well, that's exactly what I was just thinking. I was thinking Iris, and I was like, well, no, he won the bloody Oscar, so it can't be that. That is terrific. Yes. Oh my god. And it's such a good performance. That is a gem of a performance. Yeah, exactly. I um yeah, I, I well, you know me. I could be singing the praises of Moulin Rouge all day long, but I think Jim Broadbent well, is incredibly same. special in that film. Um so yeah. Oh well you have got all those right. 
We did start with a tricky one, well. but we made it to the end. <laughs> I'm not sure I even understood the game, but we are here at the other end of the game, and oh. you are a winner. Well, it was a joy to learn. I, I feel like it was so good to to hear that some of those people won BAFTAs that I hadn't clocked before. So thank you for enlightening me. You're very welcome. Yeah, and BAFTA is going through an interesting journey because it's using uh, nominees from like a kind of popular vote of the whole branch of whatever category they're looking at, while also having a jury vote on the other selection of, of nominees. Um, but really, so far, that's kind of just resulted in the same people kind of winning. It doesn't matter. But the nominees are, are more interesting. Um, but yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens in the next few years of BAFTA, because maybe they will keep moving kind of away from the normal Oscar stuff. Yeah, it's such a bore when folks like us do commit a lot of our time to following these things and watching them. We... It's not that we don't want or need the same things to win because the it's boring. It's also like they don't often deserve it. So it's more exciting to see variety. For sure. Um, and in some cases like this one, in Joanna Scanlon's case, the perhaps uh, the most deserving person or winning. It's great. Yeah, and I mean, there is a flip side, I should say, to all of this in that I, there are cases where, say, an Olivia Coleman wins an award everyone hears her speech and everyone's like, oh my God, this wonderful woman. And no doubt she just gets some extra nominations. So it's not, it's less about BAFTA following Oscar and more BAFTA doing their thing and informing the Oscars. But I think mostly they are following the Oscars. So it's interesting. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, this is all the boring sort of stuff that me and Scott talk about nonstop offline. Um, <laughs> and we love it. Um, nonstop Non-stop. We didn't pick a prize, but I don't know if there's something you want to claim now that I'll you know take, you're winning. I'll take one of the... I'll take one of the big, heavy Oscars, please. I love it. I, I can imagine your room now, and you just have, like, a huge Oscar behind you. Love it. Oh, there would be no room for me, but I don't know that I would be too sad. No, or you could carve it into a bed. That would be so much fun. Imagine, imagine having a one-night stand, and you go back with them, and the bed is, like, shaped like an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't see this going much further, but now <laughs> it's like marry me. Um, <laughs> so to round this off, have you got a, a specific wish that you want to uh, share about Joanna's career, future career? Um, yes, I would love to share a wish for Joanna's future career. So. We kind of have consistently been talking about the balance between sort of the coldness and the warmth that we see so often with her. And in a lot of the performance we're describing, they're very vulnerable or timid people that she's playing in some cases. But there definitely is something in there where she could be more devious or just perhaps even scary I think she could do well so hey I would love her to be in a quality horror like there's lots of suggestions I could make down this road but I I don't know if it's just off of the back of watching Notes on a Scandal and Judy Dench just being perhaps the best version of Judy on screen we've ever had in that because it's so much fun but I now would like to see Joanna as sort of a stern head teacher type like really really like scary comes down hard on anyone in any situation 
but then there perhaps being complexities behind the scenes. So looking at the life of a teacher who's maybe misunderstood in her field, around her peers, around the people she teaches, and is just viewed as this terror, but what is going on behind the scenes. And I do see it as a top-notch British kitchen sink situation. So I am mm. thinking Mike Lee. Of course, So yeah. that is my yeah. wish. That's so funny. Mike Lee just kept coming back to me. I was like, no, I gotta, I gotta move away from it. Because I, I, I don't know what it was about, about him and her. It's just so perfect. And I don't know, maybe I thought you were going to do it. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great Yeah, I kind of thought the same. I was like, this is maybe too obvious, but I'm just going to go with it anyway. I love it. I mean, I've written down two things, but the first thing is really quick. It's more, you know, if Joanna wanted to write and direct and star in her own story, I would absolutely love to see her do that Um, after getting on and Puppy Love. Yeah. And yeah, that would be very exciting to, to watch. Um, but the, what I went with was Joanna playing Lillian Bayliss, who is um, this historical figure in the British theatre scene. So she really saved the old Vic, resurrected Sadler's Wells Dance Company, kind of started um, careers of many people, including someone, um, including people like Laurence Olivier. She's this very fundamental figure in theatre history who is you know complicated interesting has lots of of great things um and really worked in theatre until the end of her life she has uh, her significance is marked in things like at the national theatre in london she has the uh, a section of the theatre named after her she has a I think a theatre in Sadler's Wells. Anyway, she is a very celebrated person, but I would love to see her story. And I just think the idea of this like early 20th century woman working in theatre and running this theatre company and it's hand to mouth and it's all these things are going on would be really yeah. fascinating to watch, particularly if it was directed by someone like Terence Davies um, in this like gorgeously... Um, portrayed story of this person just you know going about and all the details of what was going on in London at that time because where the old Vic is positioned at the cut near uh, Waterloo is just like an interesting area so yeah I don't know I didn't really have like a strict sort of arc to the story just more something based around that historical figure around theatre of the time and with Joanna Scanlon front and centre as Lillian Bayliss I find that so exciting. I, I, I love that so much, because I mean I would have never been able to come up with an idea like that. So it's I, I love that you brought that. That's great. And and immediately I'm like, but I want that too much now that it's actually a little bit hurtful for you to, have, <laughs> well, like brought it up and I, made it. I think. Yeah. Well, I think. Um. I mean, I think it would make a great film. I don't know enough about Lillian Bayless to to say, you know, what the film could even focus on. Maybe she actually is very dull, but I don't think so. I bet there is some interesting stories to be told um, about her time in the theatre. And Joanna is the person to, to make it happen. Um, yeah, I love it. So I'm really sad. I mean, I feel like I get sad all the time about when we come to the end of our episodes because <laughs> oh. I've loved, like, just, ha like, having... In the back of my head, like we're doing this episode on Joanna, thinking about Joanna, watching her, thinking about why I like her so much. Um, 
but yeah, it's been wonderful to share. And I really hope people are inspired to watch some of the films, particularly After Love. Agreed. And where can people... I would point everyone oh. towards that. And where can people find us, Scott? You can come and find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at don'tknowher underscore pod. Or if you'd like to drop us an email, you can do that too at don'tknowherpod at gmail.com. Please do come and say hello, make some suggestions for future episodes. Tell us if there's any films we missed because we do so often have to skip films that otherwise might have been really interesting additions. Mm -hmm. So come and um, nudge us and tell us about all of those things. Please do, yes. And do rate, review us, share us with anybody you think might be interested in listening to us wonderful, very experienced uh, film watchers. <laughs> it's easy to be an experienced film watcher and we've, we've done it very well. Um, it is. We yeah, are seasoned. Do you seasoned? Um, salty and seasoned. We yeah, just share <laughs> on. And we yeah, and we love hearing your comments. So yes, please do get in touch with us and rate review. And we'll be back next time to celebrate another actor who has had an exceptionally brilliant year. Mm-hmm. With one film in particular being a real thrill. So please join us for that one. Until then, see you later. Have a great day. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.